yet another week, yet another episode. Welcome to Faces of Silver, the podcast. I am Ben Winkler, photographer, connoisseur of life, and hopefully lifelong curious being. Each week, we are trying to bring you an interesting guest with uh, inspire an inspiring message and a nugget of wisdom or something to ponder over for the coming week. So I hope you uh, will join us again next week. Every week we are streaming uh, a new episode, Fridays, 10 a.m. Pacific uh, Standard Time. And with this, let's get started. I am so excited for this call today. Um, I will be interviewing Anne Reichert. She is the uh, she wrote the new dance card looking for love online. I've been following her first book and then her second book. Now I've got them both over the years. And finally we get her on. So without further ado, let's see what she has to tell us. Are you there, Ben? Yes. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? Um, The usual technical difficulties. We made it. Um, Finally, I get to talk to you about your books, uh, a little bit about your story and about dating or looking for love online. Um, you have written two books on uh, on dating or dating online that are called the New Dance Card. What? How did they come about? How did the first one come about? And, and what's the story leading up to that? Well, the the backstory to all of that is that I was married for a very long time, thirty years to be exact, and I found myself a single woman at the age of fifty six. I was kind of thrown to the curb, so to speak. At that moment, I was feeling like I was thrown to the curb, and I was totally um, lost as to where to go, uh, you know, what would the next third of my life be, uh, because I only would have about a third left. And having been in a monogamous, committed relationship for so long, I felt almost guilty thinking about even dating or going out with somebody, you know, other than the guy that I was with for so long, which was kind of an unusual feeling in itself. But anyway, so um, after I got over all of that initial shock, I, uh, you know, I was questioning, well, where does a person go to, uh, to meet people? And obviously the formula for finding someone and finding love today has really changed um, compared to when I was a young girl, you know, back in the day, we used to have, dances with dance cards and thus the title of my first book the dance card and we go to a a recreational hall or a gymnasium and we would have dances and accompanying each um, these dance cards would have 10 dances on a card and they were usually ballroom dances and accompanying each um, ballroom dance and they would be like the waltz or the cha-cha or the salsa there would be a a guy's name uh, alongside of that and we would have that dance so that's how we met people back in the day so I, I i took that thought and i i used that for the title of my book and um i started and i re-entered the dating scene and basically what i did was i 
you know, with technology and everything, the only way to meet people was to do the online dating, which I did. 10 years of online dating. And my first book chronicles probably eight years of it. And I've got 10 guys that I had dated. And I I have little vignette stories um, about each particular guy and how, you know, their personalities differ and how they relate. Um, I've given them each an alter ego name associated with the dance. So I I saw that like one was called what Mr. Slow Dance or Mr. Jitterbug or Mr. Lap Dance. How did you come up with those names? uh, So that's interesting in itself because when I was just separated, the first person I met online um, had been divorced for 19 years. He wanted a long-term relationship. And we did have a relationship for about two years. And it was actually a long-distance relationship. He didn't live in the same town that I lived in, but we stayed together for that period of time. And, And the first message there was that, you know, you really can't jump into a relationship right off the bat because, you know, at, at that point in time, you know, when you're feeling you're grieving and you're grieving the loss of your your um, former husband or wife, you have a tendency to want to be uplifted and feel good. And that first person that comes along will offer that to you. And you think, well, this is just perfect. And this guy is going to be, you know, all that I ever really want. But unfortunately, as time goes on, and there is a, a period of time, and, they, and statistics have shown between 12 and 18 months after dating someone, you know, the warts start coming out, and you really become more aware of what that personality is like, and if, if he's going to be, he or she is going to be in line with who you want long term. Well, it didn't work out with the first man, and I, I named him Mr. Slow because he was very slow. And uh, the slow dance itself is a very immature dance. And, and he was uneducated and, and quite slow in all aspects of his life. So that's why I gave him that name. So in contrast, you, you mentioned Mr. Jitterbug. Um, he was another date, which was <clears throat> quite interesting because when you think of the Jitterbug dance, you think of something wild and out of control. And this guy was totally uninhibited, out of control, um, almost uh, bipolar in many senses when I think back on it, but he was so much fun and the nicest person, but I never knew who I was going to get because it was a wild ride. It was a wild ride. So that's how these names came about. And I did a lot of research on various dances. And so um, uh, after each guy that I dated, you know, they really were in line with a particular dance. It was quite fascinating. So when we, when we reach that stage or usually around midlife or in our cases in midlife, when we try to redefine ourselves and what we're looking for in a, in a man or in a woman, what, how do you go about to set your, your parameters and your needs and your values, as you said, okay, you just jumped in and then afterwards you find out what, what it is that you didn't want or did or couldn't have or shouldn't have. That's, How did you go about that? That's an excellent question and I didn't really know. And that's, that's one of the messages I'm trying to um, convey to people that are thrown into this situation at a you know, later age. Um, we all think that, well, okay, you know, my life is done. I'm not going to meet anybody else. When in fact, the number of options out there is so great and so wonderful. And you have to kind of sift through um, your own parameters and you may not know what they are, but my first message would be to date a lot. 
you'll find out by dating different men and women, you know, what really um, does this person have to offer me and what do I have to offer them? And obviously there's a lot of compromise that goes along with any kind of relationship, but, you know, we, we have parameters as, as you mentioned. And if I know everybody talks about having the boxes and checking the boxes off, well, nothing is going to be ideal. Uh, no relationship is going to be, it's unrealistic to think that there's an ideal um, love match, soulmate, whatever you want to call it. But we do have to be selective in, um, in our choices and know what it is, what's important to us uh, individually, you know, outside of being a couple. And in my, and I didn't really know, I didn't have the answer to any of that until I dated a lot of um, different men and the first 10 men that are in my book. Um, they all offered so many different things on different levels for me. So um, I always thought, okay, well, I want a tall athletic man and he's got to be intelligent. And um, whereas other women or men might have different parameters and different values. Um, I have a friend that is very into religion and she has to find a man that is very religious. And that isn't important to me. So you think about um, what interests you have and does the person that you're with with um, enjoy the same things? Not ne- doesn't necessarily have to be exactly the same thing, but um, at least you come together on a commonality of some sort. So there's some familiarity there. The other thing was I had dated a real young man. He was 16 years younger than myself. Fantastic relationship to begin with. And um, I soon discovered, and he had a six-year-old daughter and I have grown kids that are gone. I, you know, the six-year-old could have been my granddaughter. So I had to decide, well, is this what I really want in my life at this stage? I was retired. Um, you know, I was ready to travel. He was still working. I would end up being the mother to this lovely little girl, which I was happy to do for two years. But it came, I came to the conclusion that um, there really wasn't a lot of benefits for me at this stage of the game. And so I think stage of life is important for me. Um, they have to be on the same level in terms of uh, intelligence. So these are the things that you discover as you um, go along the way and date different people. At least that's the process, the process that I went through. Well, I think oftentimes it's also when, when we don't know, like if people talk about lists and so on, if I don't even know, if I've been coming out of uh, a long-term relationship recently and I don't even know what I'm looking for or how to define it or how to put them down, that down on paper just for myself to begin with, I think oftentimes what, what helps us or through that process of uh, dating a number of people, as you said, is finding out what you don't want. I mean, it's a lot easier to find out what you don't want with all the stories that, that surface. Exactly. What, you, what is your experience with that? Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. So, uh, so the men that I dated, you know, they were all lovely in their own way, but there were certainly issues that I would not want. Say, for example, with Mr. Jitterbug, he was he was just too out of control, and uh, you know, his moves were just so unexpected, and I never know which person I had to to live through that anxiety. And I mm. thought about this a lot. I said, "There's no way that I could handle this." So that was a negative, um, and. You know, wonderful man, but someone else would think this is superior. The other thing is um, we compare, you know, our present relationships with maybe our past relationships, which is not a good thing. Uh, I think we have to release the pain and anguish and, and expectations of what we had in the past. 
before we can move forward. And you have to be happy with yourself um, before you, and you hear this all the time, but it's, it is true. You have to be happy alone without having someone else define who you are. And I do believe in a lot of relationships, at least for the baby boomers, you know, our expectations or um, what people were thought was important was, you know, the woman, you got married, you had children, and you kind of identified with, with your husband. Pretty much. Well, I think it's 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 also how how we've been raised through the different uh, generations of different eras. What was important, and for that in one area you were taught you just stick it out no matter what. In another area, area you were taught you just shut up and go along with anything. Whereas today, it's you know, it really we have the liberty to sit down or sit back and say, okay, what is it that is important to me first by myself as you said so not that somebody else as the saying the cliche goes uh, you complete uh, you complete me well if you're not complete yourself by yourself to begin with you're always going to have a clash and it becomes codependency that's exactly what it is it's a codependency and we don't realize it when we're in it and since i i have been single and i still am single it's been almost you know, 11 years maybe even longer um mm-hmm. i talk to a lot of people young and old and it's very curious because a lot of the older gen well, older generation midlife like myself i'm 66 right now so mm-hmm. I, I speak to a lot of women that are in their 60s and they say you know i don't you know i'm happy by myself i've been alone now for a while whether through widowhood or divorce and it's hard for me to really accept someone into my life on a full-time basis um and to come to that conclusion is very difficult, especially after we have been conditioned for so many years, because, you know, many times uh, after divorce, you want to jump into a <clears throat> the first person or a relationship and you want to get married long term. Well, uh, that is changing. And the majority of my friends don't really want that. They want to be by themselves if they're financially secure. They don't have to rely on someone else for their um, finances and living. And I think you become a little more empowered knowing that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Um, I'm not going to be defined by that person that, def- you know, everybody uh, bowed to. And you were just insignificant. You were kind of in the back. Um, it's almost like you were on the ensemble of a, uh, you know, on a, a stage. <clears throat> You're never the star. And now we're stars because we are, we are really the stars of our own life now and that in itself has such a power and I think to give it up again would be very difficult and then on the other hand I've talked to a lot of young people and I have young daughters um, while they're in their 20s 30s they don't want to even think about getting married you know every girls have their own careers they have a lot of male friends males have a lot of female friends and they're friends. They can be friends without having to be in a relationship. And I find this fascinating. And I, I'm assuming, or I'm inferring that down the road, I think marriage is going to be kind of not a big thing anymore. And, you know, young millennials just uh, aren't wanting to get married. So, and that's okay too. I think it's fine. But um, things have changed. Things have changed dramatically. And as a middle-aged woman, uh, I think it's okay. It's fine. It hit, it does change, uh, not value system, but it does change the whole formula for families um, coming together. You know, we're not back in the 1950s. So uh, it, it's been interesting. It's very, very interesting. 
But the other thing you had mentioned that, you know, you really have to um, remove the pains of your past experiences in order to be happy with someone new. And a lot of times I have discovered that men that I dated, they're always comparing, oh, well, my life before was so euphoric and so fantastic. And they hadn't really gotten over their, their past relationships. And you have to do that in order to uh, find someone again and, and maybe, you know, even have a, any kind of a successful relationship. Yeah, I, as, as you said, with, uh, now I lost, my, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Uh, I just wanted to tie in where, where you were before, where we have at this point in life, first now in, in this society, we have the liberty to choose what it would look like. So like 50 years ago, it was it, the, the aim was always long-term uh, committed relationship, getting married and, and doing the same thing all over again, the same, the same format and the same layout. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, who says it has to be uh, who says you have to live together? Who says if you are complete first and you're happy by yourself, then the other people just add to you and they are not filling something that is missing. So then you can say, okay, today I'm enjoying this. We meet once a week. We meet whatever, the, however you set this up and whatever happens down the road. Um, we take it when, when we get there, but it's not that everybody feels that pressure. Okay, now we need to move in. We need to sell our respective places. We need to find a new place. And what if this doesn't work? And all the expectations that come along with that and that stress. First, now it is, in, in today we are getting rid of that and we have the choice not to, to follow that old, uh, that old paradigm anymore. And I think that's really liberating. It's very liberating, but like I said, we have operant conditioning um, having been raised in the 50s and 60s, and it's very difficult to do for some people. It really is difficult. I I do see a change, um, uh, but I think you're exactly right. I think down the road, we're going to discover that there is more happiness um, because I do think that people that even today that might have been married are still married for 25 plus years. There's a lot of unhappiness, but they're not really revealing that. Um, I see that in couples, friends that I know, um, and I write about it actually. One, and I, it's one of the reasons I had I, one of the stories in my book is about a dear friend of mine who she and her husband, who I've, we've known for forty plus years, were married for that that length of time, and and they were struggling for a very long time with their relationship. And they both come to me, you know, after I'd been divorced, it was kind of an awkward situation. But they both come to me and they, you know, ask, well. I can't stand living with this person anymore. I'm unhappy. I want to find some happiness. Um, tell me if, if this is the right thing to do. Shall I leave her? And, uh, you know, my, my answer to that was, well, I really didn't have an answer to that. You ha- They had to figure that out for themselves. They are still together, but they're still very unhappy. So either you have the um, confidence to move in a different direction. And it takes a lot of confidence really to, uh, to leave a, mar- a long-term marriage. And I have to give my former husband credit for taking that step because he's the one that decided he was unhappy. And I wasn't even aware of it. And did I didn't even accept it at that time. But, you know, as time has gone on, I really give him full credit for doing what he did because he was so right. And I have to say, Ben, that my life has never been uh, more comfortable and happier than uh, I've been in a very long time. So it, 
it tells you a lot. <laughs> it really says a lot right there. So um, I do think that couples that were married or that, you know, from the baby boom generation, there's a lot of unhappiness going on, but they just start sticking with each other because that was the norm. That is the norm. Yeah, it's like if, if we face reality in, in uh, long-term relationships or committed relationships today, whether that's marriage or whether that's uh, they've been together forever, mm-hmm. how many of them are truly happy? What are they, 5% or something? The majority is living together in the same house under the same roof like brother and sister. Oftentimes you're sleeping in the same bed. One is turned one way, the other one is turned the other way. They go to bed and get up at different times. Not that you wouldn't do that uh, anyways because we have different patterns, but that there's no more seeking coming together. You know, that that, that closeness, why we started the, this relationship. To well, and I think so a that lot spark couples, is gone. You're right. A lot of couples, and I, I do know this for a fact, sleep in different bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Whether the, you know, the husband snores or they've got restless leg syndrome and they just, you know, aren't attached like they used to be. So, you know, uh, we become sexually... Um, um, not together anymore. And, and that's a big factor in divorce, huge, you know, when one or the other is no longer interested and, you know, you don't have that um, intimacy anymore, really uh, places of huge is a huge factor in terms of one or the other wanting to leave the marriage because they need, you know, you need that stimulation and that's important. It really is important. So well, you, you really have, you really have only one life. So who has the right to tie the other one down, not to, to let them go and, and have them fulfill, uh, you know, that, that your values are, are met and your needs are met and, and that you, that you become happier after that, as you said, I mean, everything starts out rosy and beautiful and, and, and crazy. And then it, it just, as life gets in the way or life goes on, you just, A, you start finding out who they are. And then if, if, when it gets even worse, then you're losing that fire and you're losing that interest. You're losing yeah, and sexuality, other- intimacy and all that. And then it's, just, then what? You know? But, you know, the other thing that I've really discovered throughout all of this is um, the stage of life that we're in. So uh, our generation graduated from college, you had a job, you worked. You had your children. You went your separate direction. I mean, you really did. You know, he'd go to work. You'd go to work. You'd come together maybe after. And then kids come along. And that puts a whole other crimp in this, in this situation. Because then our, you know, it, our lives either become child-centered. And we, we forget about being a couple. And it's no longer couple-centered. So it's almost like a business. Many times it's you, you know, your business partners. You raising these children they reach an age when they're kind of off on their own now and you don't have to worry about that anymore financially or otherwise and and the two of you are sitting there looking at each other okay well now what do we do right so um, yeah you have to kind of grow together and really make sure that you know you feed each other in terms of uh, what our needs are and that doesn't happen um, in most marriages which is unfortunate but I you know I think that may change down, you know, in the future. So that's, that has been my experience, you know, and, and frankly, we no longer live in a sexually repressed society. And I think women, I grew up in the sixties, you know, here was free love and free sex and all of drugs and rock and roll. Not that I was doing a lot of that, but you know, that was kind of placed in my mindset in the sixties, but we certainly didn't live by that code. Interesting. Enough. People might think we did, and there may have been a small percentage of people that did for a short period of time, but a lot of these um, 
the liberal thinkers are now corporate executives, you know, they're very conservative. It's really quite funny, actually. So um, I think, though, that we, we, you know, we are a little more empowered sexually. Women feel, feel that way more so now. And with online dating, we have the ability to uh, be more selective. You know, you sort through those profiles and we check our lists and we find, you know, you look at that picture and is it desirable and and you know maybe you want to make a connection one way or the other with that person then you, you know you meet and you decide well it's not going to work or it's you know I'm really not interested in this person maybe after one or one or two dates so in that sense you know it's almost like shopping for goods <laughs> you know what's yeah. for well it's not be for another I, I think it's really first of all we are first and foremost we're visual visual uh beings we are going by a visual first impression if there were the on, like for online dating or so i've never been on a dating site so i don't know but i'm imagining or facebook or or, uh, or social media if they were all blank boxes we wouldn't just click on any blank box so so something drives stimulates our interest to go to go after that one. Oh well so, visual is yes. absolutely it and if people if people are going to deny that they're they're lying and you can have the in an online dating, they have you write your profile, you have a you put up a picture, and some people don't put up pictures. Well, nobody's even going to read your profile. You know, you might have the most wonderful words placed on paper, and you know, describe yourself as this fantastic person, which is oftentimes just false anyway. Um, but you, you know, you're not even going to be looked at unless you have a picture up there because that we are visual people, and you know, that's what will draw you in to begin with. So, well, I think at the at the end of the, of the of the day, it comes down to numbers. It's just a numbers game. First, once you have your your parameters set and what you need and what you want and what you can't have and so on, then it's just sifting through it. So I think in that aspect, the uh, the technology of of online dating and and coming together online and sifting through it's it's just like like uh, job postings. It's so much easier to to do a rough sift through them. And then narrow narrow your search down as opposed to when it was before, before we had the internet, we, you had to go out on date after date after date physically. I mean, how draining and how how uh, crazy time consuming and, and sometimes, you know, uh, uh, outright frustrating was that. So speaking of that, what is with your, I call it research for your book, <laughs> your, uh, all these gentlemen, what would be uh, the funniest story that that you could pet that you could share with us here in terms oh of those men? God, I had a lot of funny stories. I'll give you a real quick one. You know, everybody uh, approaches a, a first time date differently, and I had this one guy come to my door. We were going to go to a football game, so we were. You know, it was actually warm outside. It was in the fall, but it was September, but it was it was still warm, and. I had a sleeveless top on and shorts and I never met him, but we talked on the phone and he comes to the, the door and he says to me, my, you have nice shoulders. They're so proportionate to your body. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> you know, usually someone would say, wow, your eyes are beautiful or, you know, nice yeah. to meet you. But it, the first words out of his mouth was, my, you have beautiful shoulders. So I, I will never forget that. I thought that was too hilarious. Um, another one, good. I mean, it might not be to somebody else, but to me, I thought that was 
so mm-hmm. silly. But it, it did set the tone for the day and the date, and and that didn't work out because it, you know it's just not the he wasn't the type of guy that I really would want to date. But I, another experience I had was um, oh, well I'm getting back to Mr. Jitterbug. He was so much fun. He was just he's a roller coaster ride. He wanted to go everywhere and do every you know everything, and everything was fast, fast, fast. And he always wore flip-flops and a t-shirt, flip-flops and a t-shirt, no matter what we did. And I dated him for quite a while. And uh, one time, his moves were very unexpected. One time we went on a little bike ride. He took me through um, hills and valleys and beautiful forests in the neighborhood that he lived. And all of a sudden he's taking me down this ravine. It's like very isolated. And um, he had this backpack and he, he started taking some twigs and a a tree branch and shaving stuff off the, um, you know, the tree branch and putting these sticks in his, um, it was very isolated and very dark at the time in, in this backpack. And I, the first thing I thought to myself was, Oh my God, is he going to kill me? I mean, he's going to hit me over the head and I'm going to be kind of like a lifetime movie here and nobody's going to ever know where I am sitting in some ravine. Well, it didn't turn out that way, but I really didn't think that for a while. I thought, Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? And uh, we ended up walking quite a distance and all of a sudden we came upon Lake Michigan, which was just beautiful and he built a bonfire. And so it all turned out really well, but it was, it was one of those scary moments for me. It really was where I thought, geez, I, I better let somebody know where I am and who I'm with just in case. So that's another message. So um I think at the at the end of all this, it's it's really all all relative because we are all oh, relative. Sorry, because we are all so different and we have different expectations. Plus, we even change ourselves over time. So I think what it really comes down to is being in the moment and seeing what what makes us happy. You know what fulfills us. Would you agree with that? Oh yes, I would agree a hundred percent. And I definitely would uh, not dissuade anyone from doing online dating because I think that. There are so many romantic options out there, and, and you have to, um, you know, it, the, in relationships, um, what can I say about that? You know, technology has really changed the way we communicate, and we have to just be aware of that because texting it has been huge, obviously, in our, in our new life and generation. Um, unfortunately, it can create miscommunication, and we have to be aware of that. Um, in a relationship, when you start texting someone, you lose a little something in translation in terms of who that person is because, you know, with, with the visual and if you're there meeting that person, you get body language and you, you know, the visual and the eye contact and everything that tells you a lot about a person, which you can't get through technology. So uh, be aware of that. And um, also the other thing about technology, it's very easy to be... Um, it becomes a, t- a detachment and it's almost a safe method of connecting without the commitment. And I've discovered I that with a lot of men that they'll text and text and text, but never want to meet, never, ever want to meet, but you know, might still be texting a couple years later, but it's a safe way for them to, you know, have some kind of a relationship. It's a relationship. And, yeah. but then they don't have any commitment, so they don't have to worry about it. And then you know, the communication sometimes becomes a little bit meaningless. And um, like I said, unfortunately, we 
misunderstand what some people might be writing in a text. So that can create a problem as well. Well, I'm always saying uh, with all this technology and sifting through for your basic parameters and so on, fine. But I'm always, I've always been a big proponent of meeting as soon as possible. Otherwise, you, as you said, you might end up texting for four months or something, or if he's yeah. across the country or something. And then when you finally do meet, when you think, okay, this is it, and this is already a relationship, even physically it's never happened, then you meet them and there's just nothing there. There's no spark. There is nothing. And, and what a shame, you know. And that gets to be a job in itself because, you know, the, the fewer the people that you decide that you do want to meet, and it's not like you're, you know, you're uh, flipping through these online dating sites and wanting to have a coffee date or a dinner with all of these guys. They're just, you know, with your parameters, there are going to be a select few that you really want to take it to that next level but that is important but it does get to be a job after a while I mean, like i said i've been in this of course 11 years so um and you know you end up saying you know you each have your own little elevator pitch and you, you make yourself sound so wonderful and and then if you do meet and it's been interesting because i i'm from the midwest originally but i moved out to the southwest and i would have to say uh, nine out of ten men that i might have had a coffee date with, I never hear from again. So it really, um, cool. this is very early on. And it's okay, because I obviously didn't fit in with what they were looking for. And, you know, there might have been one or two that I was interested in, but they weren't interested in me. So it works both ways. Perfect. Excellent. So for, oh no, before I come to my final questions here. Before I was asking for the funniest story, what would be the most ridiculous story you could share with us that you encountered? God, ridiculous. Oh, okay, yeah. I'll give you that one. He was my Mr. Hustle. Which one is that? Hustle, okay. Mr. Hustle is in my second book, The New Dance Card, Looking for Love Online. He was, when you think about the dance, the hustle, he was, he was hustling me and other people. <laughs> so he had a lot of women on the line. A lot of women on the string, <coughs> pardon me. And he, um, he told the same story over and over again that his wife had died of breast cancer and he had to raise his four children all by himself. He was a corporate executive uh, from, from the Midwest and that he was soon going to be retiring. He wanted to, you know, have an, a new person in his life that he could travel to Europe and Paris and all these romantic, wonderful things. And um, so he'd, he'd draw you in. He'd draw you in with all these wonderful uh, words, okay? So um, I, had, um, I had an inkling that, you know, you know, I felt sorry for this guy because this was, a, you know, one of these stories that you felt sorry for the man, okay? And he sounded just perfect in terms of everything else that was going on. Our stage of life would have been the same. And hey, who wouldn't want a trip to Europe, right? <laughs> so, or, exactly. or uh, you know, a cruise on a, a yacht somewhere along the line. So we did decide to meet. And um, I had to drive about 100 miles. And he was coming in from New York, actually. And he flew in. And, you know, we had these plans maybe to go to dinner and dance. And it would have been in the heart of this big city. Well, he ended up in the outskirts of this city and he gave me the address of the hotel that he was staying at. So I'm driving there and it was like a uh, one-star hotel yeah. and it was out in nowhere. And 
I, you know, I sat there in my car as I got there and I thought, well, this isn't what I'm expecting. Right. And so he told me which room he was in. So I went, I knocked on the door and there he was without, he was there standing with just his silk pants on, sweating profusely. And he, he lifted me up onto his, you know, his chest and had, you know, had designs to, you know what, obviously have some sexual intercourse. And I looked at him and I thought, oh, my dear God. I immediately turned around. <laughs> I turned around and I went back home and I told my sister about it. And, of course, we were Skyping at that time. And all of a sudden I hear this. Uh, my sister was with me at my home. And there was a, uh, a Skype. Now, just be prepared for this story because this is true. This happened. Uh, the Skype came up and it was him. And he it wasn't a picture of his face. It was a picture of his penis and he was pleasuring himself. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, that was probably one of the freakiest stories that I ever encountered. That isn't the end of the story. I found out later that he had tried to do this to, oh, dozens of other women and his wife who was not dead, ladies and myself, I don't know how she found it out, but she tried to warn everybody that, you know, this man has some psychological problems. He was abusive to me. I'm, he was abusive to his first wife. He was in jail. Um, and he, you know, he never, you know, doesn't have four kids. He didn't graduate from this uh, Ivy League school. None of it was true. So that was one of my stories. Huh. So what would be the word of caution, the word of warning? We had the, all the positive stuff. Overall, I believe it's positive, no? Overall, uh, positive. Getting, get, yes. getting back into this. Now, what, what would, especially women, what should they, yeah, let's, let's, um, I, I want to stick with women here. What should they watch out for? In, uh, well, your... first of all, if you're just starting dating again in midlife, be, uh, get over your grieving process if you were in a relationship before. Number one. That's huge. You have to be uh, done with that and ready to and happy and eager and your self-esteem boosted and ready to meet someone new because it's it does you a disservice and him a disservice if you're not ready to do so. Um, that was my experience to begin with. So those are generally rebound relationships. The other thing, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. Uh, the go other ahead. thing is beware of if you are doing the online dating or any kind of dating for that matter, be aware of uh, deceptive elevator pitches, just like I mentioned it with Mr. Hustle. Um, they are representing may end up being a huge disappointment unless you research. So online vetting is important. You can do that through uh, Ben Verified and other you know social network services like Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Check that person out and see if they really exist and what their background is. That is really been an important factor in my life in terms of choosing if I want to meet somebody because there's a lot of deception. And like I said, don't jump into a relationship too fast. Um, there's a lot of heartache that goes along with that down the road. So don't jump in with idealistic expectations about, a fi about finding a long-term partner because most people, a lot of people don't want to have long-term relationships recognize that with our age our intentions and needs have changed along the way and um you know like i said many do not want anything of permanence that's been a curiosity for me and and that's okay we can we can each um provide one another with 
special um, moments and qualities. Yeah. Um, well, so so I have a I have a point here, like really being authentic and truthful. First of all, with yourself, if you are not looking for. Or, or, basically what it is you're looking for whether that be short term or long term or whatever you want to call it or some people are looking for friends with benefits or whatever that whatever might fit your model today communicate that because it's going to bite you in the butt sooner or later it, it really will you don't. it really will but there again we're going back to being conditioned and you know are we going to accept the fact that gee this person is going to be a really good friend of mine but he also wants benefits and we mm. have to be willing to um you know, let go of all of that conditioning in the past in order to, and you know, friendships can be great in that sense. And you can have, you can have a, um, a great friendship that includes intimacy. And you can also have someone maybe just to travel with that you really aren't uh, attracted to chemically that you want to be intimate with. And then there are other, you know, uh, interests that let's say I play a lot of tennis. So I have a lot of male friends that I play tennis with. It's, it's fabulous. It's wonderful. So those are the things we have to think about. But, you know, with aging too, Ben, the other thing is we have to remember that we're all, you know, with frailties and illnesses, those can be huge challenges. And we have to be prepared for that too. Here, and the thing is also be honest with yourself. Are you willing to put up with somebody if if they do get sick? Like, yeah, are you really at that stage that you say, you know, and they don't expect you or hope for? If you just want something uh, pretty much short term or, or see how it goes, you know, just communicate that. We, we have such an issue with communicating what we want. We do. We do. And getting back to uh, illnesses and frailties, one of my, um, well, I call him a dance, but I never met him, uh, was Mr. Chacha. And he and I had this banter back and forth for two years. Never met the guy. Two years. Two okay. years. I still talk to him. It's 10 years later. We've never met. But he revealed to me after the first year that he just was a recluse because um, his wife had left him. Mm-hmm. He had a stroke and had severe bouts of depression. And he was on multiple medications. He just couldn't get himself out of that funk. And he knew that it would be difficult for anybody to enter into his life to have to take care of that or even deal with that. But I... I have provided for him a different kind of relationship. It's a friendship relationship. And I was a nurse uh, for 35 years. So, um, you know, I understand a lot of that. And I think our relationship is unique in that sense, even though we've never met. So, I mean, there's a, a case in point. It's still, yeah, it's still a relationship, you know, now with technology or, yeah. They are all with, with more choices than we ever had before, where it was just about marriage and long-term commitment. Yes. We, we, really have, we really have so many options. It's just like finding out or being true to yourself first what, what it is you're looking for. Or what are you looking for at this point in time? You don't know what you're looking for two or five years down the road, you know. So Things true. change. Yeah. That's so, so true. We have to have some self-confidence in order to do that, really. And, you know, Excellent. So that's number one. Excellent. So this was so much fun. And I had, uh, I had the pleasure of going through, I started one of your books. I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten to the second one yet. If people want to find out uh, about your books, where can they find them? Where can they purchase them? Uh, they're on amazon.com. And I think you have a link to them. Um, and yes. Barnes and Noble, they're uh, Apple, iTunes, Kindle, 
And I do have a website that you can go to and see some of my little, um, uh, oh, I've got some cute little things up there that deal with my books. And it's www.loveonthedancefloor.com. Oh, so that's different from the, the book titles. What were the book titles again? The book, my first book is The Dance Card, Looking mm -hmm. for Love After Divorce. Okay. My second one is The New Dance Card, because it's a brand new dance card where I introduce 10 new dancers. <laughs> and that's uh, The New Dance Card, Looking for Love Online. So is that so? The second one is specifically geared online, and the first, or, or what's the difference? No, they're the they're two? both geared online, but I had to uh, delineate the first one as being uh, looking for love after divorce because it, it deals with my grieving process and then anybody else who's been through a divorce or yes. loss. So that that's huge. The second one is a really is a continuation of number one because I talk about the first ten guys that were on my first dance card and where are they now. And then I open up a whole, ah. then I, oh, yeah, which is interesting in itself because I still connected with most of them and there's only one that has gotten married and that's at 11 years. Um, and they're all, the rest of them are still single and we still talk, but you know, we don't connect up by any means because I'm not in the same area, but, and then I opened up a whole new dance card with 10 different guys. So that's, that's the gist of my books, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to work on a third and, Everybody wants a happy ending, whatever that means, love story. But I, I think I'll have new messages by then. It'll be totally different because I've learned so much along the way. Excellent. Is there, besides the books, is there any, any other, any other uh, plans for any other format, like a, a movie or a script or anything? Yes, actually. Works? Yes, thank you for asking. I have a screenplay that has been written. And right now I'm working with um, a scriptwriter who is revamping it and hopefully we'll present it to producers and directors and you know it will be a romantic comedy obviously because it, it the genre is is very popular today mm. and with the you know the movements that are going on as far as empowering older women or women in their 50s and 60s which is huge now and there's a, a new movie out called the, the book club and it deals exactly yes. with that um which is uh perfect in line with my stories. So I'm hoping that down the road, something will happen in terms of a screenplay and maybe a possible movie. So, so is there, is, is there for us here, how can we support you? What is there anything specific or a specific role of somebody that you're looking for in order to produce this, in order to make this happen? Oh, well, I'm always trying to connect with different people and I have a lot of, uh, I do have connections in Hollywood actually. And so I'm, you know, I'm, just slowly getting involved in that. I need to have the screenplay finished first. Um, so, yeah, I think just buying the book and, and writing reviews, my books, writing reviews and, you know, following my uh, website. I'm actually writing articles also, too, for various blogs that haven't been put out yet, but uh, in different websites um, through my publicist. So hopefully I will gain some kind of a platform there. But, um, yeah, keep uh Keep following me and, and see what happens. Uh, I, I love to help other women of all ages. And speaking, speaking of following, do you have a, a Facebook page or something specifically for this? I do. I do. It's, it's Anne Reichart, and I'll spell that for you. A-N-N-R-E-I-C-H-A. 
A-R-D-T, at the dance card. That's my Facebook um, um, book page. And okay. you can, there will be several, you can follow my, my personal Facebook page too, because I, from, I come from a large family and I, I love to share all, all the moments. And I do have some um, creatives on my regular Facebook page. So it's just Ann Reichart, A-N-N-R-E-I-C-H-A-R-D-T. Excellent. This was so much fun. I'm also going to put uh, your links into to your Facebook page and to Amazon uh, up on the up on the link anyway, so everybody can, everybody can see it and just click on it. And with that, I'm looking forward to reading the remainder of the first book and then getting on to the second book. Thank you so much for being on with me today. And uh, I hope we can do this again. Thank you so much, Ben. It was been, it's been a pleasure. Totally. Pleasure. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. I just love this call with Anne. Uh, all her wisdom, all her experiences, and especially those little nuggets of uh, what is the funniest story and what's the most ridiculous story. So I urge you to uh, get the book, get on Amazon. Uh, it's a lovely read and you want to read both of them. So with that, thank you, Anne. And for all of you listeners out there, I hope you are joining us again next Friday. Every Friday, 10 o'clock uh, Pacific time with yet another exciting guest, uh, exciting stories, exciting little nuggets of wisdom or just something to laugh about. Uh, with that, signing off. See you next Friday. Oh, you can find us, as always, facesofsilver.com, uh, my main work at benwinkler.com, and uh, on facesofsilver.com you see anything from our book, the ebook, the apparel, whatever you might be looking for. Come uh, have a look around and uh, leave us a review. See you next Friday.